Hello, welcome back to another episode of All Bases Covered, the podcast helping you navigate the beauty industry and cut through the bullshit. Hello, Lisa. Hello, Alex. Hi, Josh. <laughs> Today's another pre-recorded episode. I'm currently, I don't know where I'll be. It might be in Port Douglas right now. Noosa. Yeah, or maybe Noosa. Must be nice. Ooh. And so, yeah, we have a great pre-record and it's a guest episode yes with josh collier who is here hi josh hello (laughs) so josh may be a sweet angel baby face but in fact he is a veteran in the beauty industry he has worked with retailers from all over the world handling sales education distribution retail marketing and more he's actually a self-trained makeup artist and ex-beauty youtuber which we must find out more about later He's previously worked for indie beauty brands such as Hourglass, Sunday Riley, Kaya Weiss, and his current role at Kosas has him heading up the international sales where he works with retailers like Mecca, Cop Beauty, Sephora, Niche Beauty, and more. Josh is proudly from Delaware, but is also officially a New Yorker, which he left to become one of the 23 people living <laughs> in the hustle and bustle of Canberra. So my first question, and the most important one of the whole episode, why Canberra? Oh my God. Loaded question. Not really. Um, so I don't know. I visited many cities in Australia and that was the one that I was just like, this feels like home. No, oh, not really? at all. Uh, oh. no, not at all. Would have not been my first pick, my second pick, or probably my third pick. Um, no, so my you partner. Knew what yeah, you so were I had been to Canberra one time prior to, to making the choice of living here for three days. And in those three days, you do kind of all the the touristy things you go to the mint you go to the war memorial and you're like okay and i had the luxury that i'd actually lived in washington dc for a few years so Mm -hmm. i kind of knew i kind of knew what a political city was where i was like oh yeah like the sidewalk rolls up at 8 p.m and it's all people who are political or adjacent in their career but i will say dc is much livelier than canberra it's definitely a much bigger city still And there's a lot of people who live there who don't work in government but uh, yeah. My partner is actually uh, from Hobart, born and raised. Oh. So, yeah, so we met in New York while we were both living there. He moved there actually three months before I did um, right. from Hobart to work at the consulate in New York. And I moved there while I was working for Hourglass to to manage their business at Sephora in New York. And oh, um, amazing. yeah, a few months into us being there, we met. And then we were together for six years before we made the decision. He had an opportunity to move to Canberra. And I said, let's throw caution to the wind. Life's short. I'm going to move to Canberra at 31 and Life's take short. a Let's chance. end it sooner. Yeah. <laughs> and little did I know I was going to throw caution to the wind. And we made the decision to move November 2019. Oh, And Chris oh, actually so left in January. I was due to leave in April. The world ended. And I did end up getting here finally in yeah. June after many canceled flights. But I got here. I did my two weeks hotel quarantine in Melbourne, which is an experience. And I'm here. I've been here almost two years now. I'm a homeowner. So I am locked and loaded, a permanent resident of Australia. Oh my God. That's amazing. Now, is your partner a like public servant? Uh, he works for Foreign Affairs. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. yeah. I mean, truly. He totally like I works said, for ACO and Josh just can't say yeah. anything and we're speaking to the partner <laughs> of a spy. No, I did ask him though in, in his previous role at the consulate. I'm like, there are things you can't tell me, right? And he's mm. like, of course not. You're you're not a citizen of the country. And I'm like, <gasps> so I'm like, so you are kind of a spy, right? That's so cool. That's like my... No one, no one knows. This is like my biggest dream to be a spy, but I have too big a blabber mouth. And yeah, you would absolutely suck at that. You want to be alias, don't you? I do. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's 
That's a good story. Yes. I'm glad that you told us that because it's been one thing that we've been sliding into your DMs about like on and off being like, yeah. why, why, why Canberra? And you're like, one day when you get me on the pod, we'll talk about it. So it's a good very nice change from 16 million people to 400,000. Yeah. And then with that comes things like real estate's a bit more affordable. I couldn't yeah. afford that, yeah. that million dollar studio apartment in the outskirts of Queens <laughs> where now I'm living smack dab in the center of Canberra in a two bedroom yeah. unit for a third the price. That's the best. That is good. That and is also, a perk. You're also like, you can literally just pop to Melbourne or Sydney. Like you are yeah. in a good spot. Yeah. Very yeah. central. I mean, everything except Perth is an hour away. Yeah. yeah, that's it. Yeah. Pop to Melbourne or Sydney when we're not in a stage three lockdown. Yes. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> Which is not very often in no. the last two years. <laughs> the odds are against you. One thing that I wanted to ask as well, when I you know knew about your history, I guess, before I knew that um, YouTube had sort of popped into the the um the backlog there I thought I was like oh Josh has such an impressive resume and there must be a reason I guess that beauty came into your life um and you decided that you wanted to pursue that as a career because it's very I think rare that someone would fall into beauty and do just as much as you have like on a whim it doesn't it just doesn't happen um and then when we found out that you had a YouTube channel we now need to rewind and talk about that please momentarily tell me all about it yeah, so it's it's funny because I think like most people in beauty, um, there are people who are like born and bred who fresh out of high school or, or college are like, I am dying to be a makeup artist mm. or, you know, a hairstylist or whatever. I actually went to university for statistics. I was like, <laughs> I'm dying to work for the Census Bureau. I could look at, you know, formulas, equations and live in Excel for hours. Yeah, and I loved God. it. And like, I love data. But uh, life's hard and you get thrown some curveballs. And mm-hmm. I ended up working um, freelance in beauty kind of on a whim. And that's really where I found the love and passion for it. Um, and that was while I was in Delaware, I had the chance to move to DC and do some extra things, which is only about an hour and a half away. So it wasn't mm-hmm. like I moved across the country. I was still mm-hmm. you know, relatively close to family. Yeah. And um, you know, while I was there, I did some freelance work for some brands in department stores, Sephora and Ulta, and really kind of started to feel out beauty and and I kind of learned beauty by watching YouTube to an yeah. extent you know when yeah. you think back to like 2009 and 2010 you know the people who were big on the internet you know makeup geek back when she was just Marlena or <sighs> yes. uh, Emily Woo? Noel 83 or Pixie yes. Woo like all of those <laughs> yes. people were people I watched like definitely Michelle Fawn um, yes. so while doing some work about an hour or not an hour a year into working freelance, I was like, I want to start a channel because I feel like I could talk about makeup all day. Like Mm. back in the era of like Makeup Alley where you read reviews and you chat in the message boards, like I'm totally dating myself to any Gen Z on here. They're like, what's a message board? (laughs) Like it's like Reddit, but really specific. Yes. Um, Yeah. I was like, I could talk about it all day. And I figured it's just an outlet to share what I liked and what was going on. So I started Mm. that in 2011 and I actually did it I don't want to say full on, like I wasn't full time. I was doing other work. And during that time, I actually started working with Hourglass on a freelance basis. And mm. that's where I started my career with them for four and a half years. Yeah. And um, yeah, it was just an interesting experience because I went on back when I didn't edit videos. I'd shoot them just one straight shot oh, in like a hallway God. I had that was like an yeah. open space. And yeah. Um, yeah, it was just a really weird time in YouTube, but yeah. I enjoyed it. And, you know, I got to the point where it actually gave me an opportunity I wouldn't have had. And mm, it, mm. It, I did, I would say I've outgrown it, which is, you know, why I say ex-YouTuber, you know, I got to the point where it's too much to manage with a full-time yeah. career. 
but I have a lot to thank for it. You know, I got to 33,000 subscribers, which wow. back then was like Huge. a big yeah. deal. No one was on YouTube back then. 33,000 yes. was like the a whole good portion of the community. Yeah. <laughs> 33,000. I was like, I'm in the big leagues. Like, I think I maybe in the three-year career got PR like three or four times. This oh, is how kidding. way back when, when it was... <laughs> PR now, you like post one yeah. Instagram photo and they're like, oh, I love what you're doing. Can we send you a package? <laughs> yeah, so it's yeah. a very different ball game. But yeah. at the time, like I said, I was working with Hourglass and I made a video on ambient lighting powder <gasps> when it came out. That really, <laughs> Yeah, really talking about um, wh- what's the purpose of each shade. And that's yeah. actually, you know, at the time, you know, most of the people there knew who I was because... I was out there kind of grinding and hustling and I really wanted to work full time for the team. And mm. that's actually what got me noticed and had me get a job offer to move to New York. So yeah, wow. you know, I think a lot of my career to YouTube because that was nine years ago. That's incredible. That what a great story. Yeah. So you started um, in the, like when you said that you were doing freelance for some of those brands, you were doing it as an artist, not in like education or anything like that at the time. Fully like yeah. on the shop floor, like at yeah. an Ulta, yeah. like pulling somebody from Urban Decay to the brand I was working for or <laughs> standing on a Nordstrom on the hard aisle. So think oh. that your fragrance spritzers at Meyer, but yeah. imagine them selling Smashbox. That was me back in uh. 2009, <laughs> 2010. That's such a different concept to what we have in Australia because you often hear about freelance artists working for brands and so they'll work on a counter or sometimes, you know, their pro artists will be freelance and they'll do like red carpets or whatever, but they're a freelance artist for NARS or whatever. And that just, it's not a thing here. It's really interesting. It's a very different sales model in Australia. Mecca really changed the game of beauty retail in in both Australia and New Zealand, how they Mm. operate, really helping brands navigate these two markets and really owning the business for them without the brands needing to do that. Where Mm -hmm. I would say US, UK, Canadian retailers are very heavily reliant on brands. You know, the people think the hard part of being a brand is getting into a retailer. And I think the hard part is staying in a retailer. Anybody can get their brand bought in because if you sign a contract with a retailer, a lot of times it'll say, you know, you've got to take your goods back if we can't sell them after six months. Yeah. So mm-hmm. the retailer doesn't take a lot of, you know, liability or risk well, that's bringing it. you in. But you as mm-hmm. a brand get in and you're like, wow, we've made it. I'm like, no, you haven't. No, yeah. You've well, got to hit those, you know, season sale markers for them to actually consider you worth your your space. That's it. And when you think about like being a brand and existing in a space where you're on your own, I suppose, in a Nordstrom or Ulta or whatever it might be, it's like you're reliant on the audience that you grow as a brand and it's very siloed. You've got no access to the information of other brands, but being in Mecca, you've got the pull of the Mecca audience, like Mm -hmm. regardless of if they've ever purchased from Hourglass before as Smashbox or someone, you can, you know, speak to Mecca and get an email sent out or whatever talking about your brand to an audience that may never have purchased from you before. So you've got all of the data at your fingertips. And I guess it puts Mecca in the power seat. It's also just like a logistical nightmare because I remember shopping in Space NK in the UK. Mm. And if you go into a store, there's like maybe two Space NK employees and then there might be one or two people from a brand in on that day. Mm. And it's like, how the hell do you roster for that? Because instead of Mm. having people that you would call in when it's busy or you know your peak times, you have this random consultant from a brand that Mm. someone's going to be like, can you help me? It's like when you're shopping for shoes in David Jones and they're like, oh, no, they're over there. You're like, can you help me? And they'll be like, oh, no, I'm actually from Institute Estoderm. So if you want to buy sunscreen, I can absolutely help you. Otherwise, like, no, I can't give you this color match for another brand. What the hell it's actually just the worst shopping experience yeah yeah space and k <laughs> is a tough one because it's such mm. a small environment 
as yeah. well. So, you know, you really can't have 20 people rostered in one of those shops. Yes. Just, it's like a cosmetica. It's so small yes. and you're in there. It's like, imagine having that many people. You'd be over your fire and safety limit before a customer <laughs> enters. Yeah. Yeah. But... yeah, for sure. All right. Let's get into the actual structure of the episode, shall yes. we? We always start with a little overview and we've definitely done that. But on a scale of beauty novice to beauty expert, do you think that you could tell us a little bit, I guess, about where you feel that you sit broadly in the beauty community today? Oh my goodness. If we were doing like a one to 10, where do I fall? Yeah. Mm. You know, I, this is one of those things where it's like, yeah, I'm confident, but am I too confident? Yeah. You, try to, <laughs> you try to score yourself like a seven or like an eight. You're like, those feel like a good, like, I'm, yeah. I'm pretty good, but I'm mm. not a 10 because those people are cocky. Yeah. Um, so it's like, how do you, how do you score yourself? I don't know. I mean, I feel like I'm definitely an expert in some things, mm. you know, I'm going to be 33 this year, so I'm not 50 years in the business. So I'm not a professional or yeah. a guru in anything, but there are things that, you know, I can definitely navigate my own way through, but there are a lot of things I can't, you know, by no means am I, you know, providing facial services or, mm. you know, formulating mm-hmm. products. So mm-hmm. there's a lot that I'm not. I love that hearing, hearing, I guess, your perspective on it, because when you think about someone as, you know, a at-home makeup artist, how confident are you to, you know, read a skincare label and sort out your routine and do your own makeup? You're obviously a 10, you know, yeah. on that scale. But I guess when you consider the whole industry around you, yeah, there is a lot more to it. I also feel like that's proof that Australia has rubbed off on you, because if you were truly American, you would have said 10. <laughs> Oh, I know plenty of, of people who would have rated themselves 10, but I know there's things in makeup that I just hate doing. Like, yeah. and especially what I had hate? the, oh my God, winged eyeliner. I think ah. like, it's just one of those things that not everybody needs a wing. No, and, no, know, as, it's important a, to know. Yeah. As a salesperson, you know, I, I really would spend a lot of time chatting with clients and I'm like, why do you want this? Yeah. And a lot of it was like, well, they, it looks so good on them. I'm like, but yeah. we need to look at your face shape, your eye <laughs> yeah. shape. Yeah. And a lot of it was like, I can do a wing on you. You may hate it mm. or you may not like the way it flatters your eye or you may never be able to recreate it. Isn't so it the saddest why thing Why should ever I sell well? you an eyeliner to do yes. that with? But also, you're never going to do it again. You've done someone's full face application and then they drop on you that they want to try a winged eyeliner that day for that event. And then you're like, oh, sweet. Yeah, (laughs) and they're like seventy-eight years old with hooded, downturned eyes, and like a scarf from their eyebrow to the side of their temple, and you're like, perfect. Now is the time. I got very good at the old like mid-tone brown shadow tracing out and sketching the shape, and like, okay, it's good. Now grab the black liquid liner or gel liner, and then also would give them the view of like you can kind of see like the light wing. I can get rid of this really easy. Yes. I cannot get rid of black gel liner really easy. So <laughs> do you like the way this looks? Yeah, yes. for sure. It's a skill and an art in itself, the conversation around winged liner. That's for sure. Yeah. What would you say is the category then that gets you most excited about beauty? Is it makeup like we would assume? No, skincare. 100% ah. skincare. And I think a lot of my interests in makeup, I think a lot of makeup artists feel this way when you first get into makeup in your late 20s, and it might be because of a skin issue, you know, growing up, I didn't really have acne or breakouts in my late 20s or late teens, I started to experience them. That's when I started to play with concealer, powder, Mm -hmm. foundation. So I've always had a really big interest in complexion makeup. Mm. But it really came from the aspect of skin. So even though, you know, I'm a self-trained makeup artist, skincare is lit, like, really gets me going. And it's definitely something that if you can make someone's skin look good, 
who cares if like you've got the best red lip? Like it honestly doesn't matter. Absolutely. And also if their skin looks perfect, then literally all you need to do is a red lip. Oh yeah. Or, like, like, or just like give them a little fluffy brow and like yes. a red stain on their lip. I'm like, you yes. look great. Yes. On that note then, can you run us through the perfect beauty routine for you? Is it really grounded in that ritual of skincare? A hundred percent. I think skincare for me is like, that's my me time. And they're, mm. and to be honest, living in the world of Zoom for the last two years, makeup is not my me time. Like, <laughs> I am not experimenting with new makeup techniques. I'm doing like what I can in 10 minutes to get my yeah. makeup done more when I'm on Zoom for five hours at 8 a.m. Mm. through 1 p.m. My makeup looks undetectably great on Zoom. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. in real life, like, oh, yeah, that concealer did not cover that spot, but that wasn't the purpose. On camera, looks fine. Totally yeah, fine yes. on a Zoom lens. Yeah. I found that going back into the real world post-lockdown, I've spent so little time worrying about blending in the last couple of years because you're not seeing anything other than the front of my face on three pixels. A zoom lens is very forgiving. So forgiving. You go out now and you're like, really have to think like, did I blend that down my neck? And Mm. like, has my contour and bronzer blended into my hairline enough? Or have I like started that three quarters of the way down my cheek? But yes, tell us, sorry, tell us about your skincare, I suppose, ritual and, and what that perfect routine looks like for you. I would say simple is is my big thing. I don't like to use 20 products, especially mm. pre-makeup or in the mornings. Um, I'm, a, I'm a cleanse with water. I've adapted that over the last few years in the morning because my skin's more combination oily. I would say it's more mm. combination now that I'm approaching the mid-30s. There's <laughs> less oil happening, but still some. Um, so cleanse with water. I love like a, a washcloth moment in the morning. Yeah. Every morning, a, a warm washcloth just held over my face for 20 or 30 seconds. Yeah. Some gentle wiping with that. And I feel like that's sufficient. Yeah. Um, mist essence serums. I love those like watery, lotiony, splashy. Like I want to, uh-huh. I want the, the jiggle and the suppleness in the yeah. skin. And I want it from those layers. I don't love the feeling of a cream on my skin in the day. Mm-hmm. And then I'm a huge face oil person. Have yeah. been for many, many, many years now. And I think You've got to have a few drops of face oil in those watery layers to like get the occlusives, the emollients and have those Mm -hmm. perfect like balance. And then SPF, I think all of us here in Australia are obsessed with ultraviolet. So I'm team clean screen through and through every single day. doesn't matter. Uh, You're a clean screen lover. Okay. We've got one of each of us here. Yeah, literally (laughs) we cover the whole thing. What um, facial oils are your favorite out of interest? So I keep it pretty simple. I love just like a pure rosehip oil. So Trilogy yep. is, mm. is is an iconic, mm. like it's an institution, I think, in Australia. Yeah, yeah. So they're certified organic rosehip oils, probably what I buy the most. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've been getting into just playing with other oils blended. So, mm. you know, finding single oil facial oils and blending them because I think there's a lot out there. But there's yeah. a lot out there with things that can be sensitizing or a formula is made by a brand and it's really designed by a formulator or a founder who loves that blend and you know, mm, whether yes. that's fragrant oils or, or anything. And it just isn't going to, I think, suit the general public. Yeah. So yeah. I'm like, I don't know, like there's no real science to oils. It's just no. keep the essential oils less than 1% and everything else can make up the full body. Find out what's got the right fatty acid blend for your skin yeah. and yes. play with it. So those drier oils like a jojoba, a watermelon, rosehip, you know, really mm-hmm. good oils. So, but rosehip I think is like, Okay. It's what I tell everybody to get to if they're first trying, because it mm. doesn't feel thick. It's yes. not like a, an olive or you know anything that's too rich. 
Yeah. You should try the Liberty Bell. I know you just said you like to cocktail your own, but you should mm. try the Liberty Bell Godsend. Godsend oil because it's weird. It's like very oily, but then it kind of dries down. I feel like it would be nice in your like slippy, wet, lightweight routine. I think you'd like it. I need to look it up. I've been on their website probably five times. Yeah. Yes. And then you're like, just from, just from your podcast. Yes. Every time it's mentioned, I'm like clicking through while listening and I'm like, Oh, what was I doing? And I'm like, let me go back to that. And then yes. maybe a week later, the next episode, I'll go back to it again. <laughs> yeah. Bite the bullet one day. It's just annoying because you get on, you're like, oh, everything's $200 and I, I want to yeah. buy it all. So I'll Is just it buy available nothing. like locally in Melbourne? David Jones? Yes. Yeah. I wonder if they would have it in Canberra. We would not. <laughs> we would not, which is probably part of the other reason. I, I definitely yeah. am somebody who browses online, then I'm like, I want to go look at it in yes. person, which is not an I'm easy thing to do in Canberra. I also yeah. feel like an internalized guilt around ordering only one thing online. And that's the exact issue with Liberty Bell is you get there and then you're like, oh, now <laughs> I need to add two things to my cart and it's $300. Yeah. Oops. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so now we're going to get into a little bit more of the juicier section of the pod. So we want to know what you think is an overhyped beauty product or a product that you will never purchase again and why. Oh, my goodness. You must have experienced so much. I've seen so many things that I've just, like, looked down and shaken my head at. Um, so there's a lot of a lot of trends that I just, I'm uh, like, yeah. why does this exist? And working with retailers, like, on the behind-the-scenes planning six months, a year, two years out, I you kind of know what the trends are when a, when a yeah. brand's like, oh, are you going to be launching like any like holographic products, like anything that's like duochrome? And I'm like, that's going to be spring 2022. Like that's what's happening. Yeah. Um, Don't tell me yeah. it is. No, no, no. Thankfully <laughs> oh, thank not. That God. was, I think it was a few <laughs> years ago when Becca was doing all those like geode highlighters. I was like, this is never nuts. Who approved yet. this? Yeah, so, I will never but... forget. I was working at like Priceline at the time in social media and they were launching the holographic, like how Anastasia had the contouring like, palettes. They yes. had the holographic highlighting palettes. A plenty, every brand had them. And yeah. it was just like chunk. Yeah. Chunk of everybody, chunk. everybody was frosted, robotic, metallic <laughs> and, and textured. It was so awful. Dangerous. It was an awful time. Mm. Yeah. It was literally just a milliard city on the top of the cheekbone. Yes. Yeah. Um, um, so that would be a huge one. I would say anything over highlighting. And I think we've, we've fully made it out of that period of time, thankfully, but we also have the horrible filtered Instagram photos of 2016 and 2017 to prove we went through it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No pores were the way to go. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, we all have pores, but we don't have to make them look as big as a crater. We don't have to. <laughs> that was a hard time to be in retail because Everyone wanted to look like an Instagram filter in real life, especially, you know, older women who weren't across the fact that people were filtering their photos and would come in and say, I want to look like this beautiful person. And you're like, mm. yeah, it's mm. it was a hard time for expectation management, I think, as an artist. A hundred percent. It was probably that three or four year period where, you know, like the rise of Anastasia Beverly Hills yes, was Everyone really... wanted to look like Norvina. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, that's not achievable in mm -hmm, person yeah. and I can give you makeup that you can photograph and do some face tune to and you can get there <laughs> yeah. but by no means can you wear that to dinner tonight yes yeah so that's more of a beauty trend I feel that you wish would die yes a... yeah more of a trend is there a particular product that you can think of oh there's definitely stuff I don't know if I can like dog anybody no. and not have okay. like 
bad repercussions head yeah. my way. Like, we heard you say this, especially yeah. working for a brand, because they're like, we're supposed to work together. I heard yeah. you, you called me out. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. We'll yeah. allow it. <laughs> you said that uh, glossy brow pencils were the worst. I was talking about that the other day, that Smashbox did a glossy brow oh, product. I'll, no one the, wants a glossy brow. I remember that. That was a bad time. It was such a weird oil slick on the eyebrow that didn't have any, like, it. the product didn't have hold at all. And two no, shades. Just, two shades. Yes. Yeah, it was weird because I, I, I freelanced for Smashbox back when brow tech was their big thing. Yes. And I remember after Estee Lauder acquired them, that was when they redid that whole category. And it was like, this is a big swing and a very big miss. <laughs> you really hoped this was going to be hot, but like, it was Like not. you were there when me, when I was growing up. I needed you to do this right. And you messed yes. it up. Yeah. yeah. And you failed me. You made me pluck my eyebrows off. And now I need to draw them back on. And you're giving me glossy brow, which <laughs> is going to wipe off in yeah. two seconds. Castor seed oil and pigment. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. It was so bad. Funny. Now, moving on from the bad, I'm sure that you'll be thrilled to talk about the good. What is a, a beauty product that's changed your life? Oh, my goodness. There's so many. Um, I, I'm like, who do I nominate for skincare, for makeup? Yes. I would say yeah, yeah. Um, makeup revealer concealer from Kosas. My, yeah. my ride or die, if yeah. I could have like five pieces of makeup, it would probably be two of the five. I would I would actually probably do two colors of it. I yeah. will die on this hill. Most people in the world need two shades of concealer. Yeah. So that's definitely one. It's just, it's so user-friendly, mm-hmm. you know, no matter what tools you're working with, fingers, sponge, brush, mm-hmm. like it just works. It's great if you've really taken the time to, to prep the skin. But if you have somebody who's like, I've never exfoliated, like you can still yeah. make it look pretty good on yeah. the skin. It doesn't cling. Yeah. So yep. that would be my one makeup product. And I'd say my product skincare wise, because I've got to talk about skincare. I'm yep. in love with the Youth to the People, the new Superfood Unity Toner, the green one. Because ah. I used to love the kombucha toner, but she's yep. she is real sticky. So she's okay. definitely on nighttime only. But the yep. Unity Toner is that more mild uh, 3% AHA, 2% BHA, 1% PHA. Yep. Super Ooh. gentle for daytime. Like yeah, I love it yeah. after shaving. I love it every morning. So yeah, that's my, my skincare pick. I literally, it's funny you say that after shaving because I the first thing that came to my mind, I don't even know why, was I bet you that would be brilliant spritzed on the bikini line. Mm, yeah. <laughs> like those ingredients sound lovely for that. Like yeah. or in, ingrowns, the pits maybe even. Yeah, yeah, it's mandelic acid too for the oh, for the nice. AHA. So really Calming. good for like antibacterial benefits. So yes. it's definitely designed for somebody who's like breakout or ingrown prone, which is, yeah. I'm like, oh, that's both of me. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. So interesting for you to say a toner as well. I can't imagine that anyone else will say that a toner is changed their life. Can I ask, you a toner splasher or are you a toner like cotton pad applier or what's your, how do you tone? It depends on what the toner is. Okay. So if I'm yeah. looking for exfoliation from a toner, if it's something mm-hmm. with, enzymes or acids it's got to be uh, a cotton applicator yep. of sorts whether that's reusable or or yep. whatever and you've got to have that gentle like wiping yeah, with a yeah, little yeah, bit help. of buffing like the acids mm. are great but I like to break up the skin and yeah. remove it yes. I don't want to just break it up and then like leave it there yeah yeah so yeah. um but if it's something otherwise like I, I love a mist like give me yeah. some splashing for some hydration or just like an extra boost of moisture yeah oh that's good okay these are the staple questions that we ask each other in every podcast. Yeah. And we will now ask you, what is your current beauty fave? Oh, okay. So this is like hot off the press. 
Uh, we just Explosive. launched, like literally just launched as per this episode coming out versus when it came out, uh, Revealer Foundation from Kosis. Uh... So I'm holding it so Lisa and Alex can see it. Sorry, peeps, if you can't see it. I know you can't. Um, Please describe it. Yeah, so it is, it's a beautifully frosted glass bottle mm-hmm. with Ooh. the yellow graffiti lid, just like the concealer. It's a pump. SPF 25 medium light to medium coverage so still not full coverage because that's yep. very uncosis like we don't yep. like mask here heavy we're all about skin embellishing both from mm-hmm. a makeup look but also from a skincare standpoint yep. and this to me is like if I could make a foundation I'm like I can't now because Sheena already did it like here oh. it is it's oh so much treatment so everything that's in the concealer like arnica probitum b5 hyaluronic acid so all the things you want for skin that is you know, breakout prone, sensitive, dehydrated. Um, But there's also zinc-based SPF in here. So you get that little extra kind of security blanket in accordance with your regular SPF. Mm -hmm. Please apply your regular SPF underneath it. (laughs) Yes. Um, But there's also so many other things in here. There's squalene in it, you know, artemisia flower. So some really great things, ferulic acid for inflammation. So it's- Yeah, and zinc's quite calming too, typically on a skin as well. Like obviously it's the SPF, but it is quite a calming ingredient. So that sounds like a sensitive gal or guy's dream. Yeah, but the texture is where I think the big win. I know I just like rambled on about all these ingredients. It- performs like a conventional foundation and for those of you who don't know if you work for a brand in like the cleaner green space it's you have clean and green beauty and then you have conventional beauty yeah. so it works like a foundation from the conventional space that would traditionally have silicone or yeah. you know certain film formers in it where mm-hmm. it goes on glides over texture versus yeah. clinging to it um, mm-hmm. but at the same time it has the lightweight feel of like a silicone free product so if you yeah. really like those like thin tinted moisturizer veil mm-hmm. of color, but you don't feel it versus a foundation that you're like, I can feel it, but I look good. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you're able to get that from this. And fingers sponge, I actually love the Juno & Co. flocked sponge. Oh, with it. Wow. And like half a pump is like sufficient yeah. for me. So oh, you wow. don't need a lot. So yeah, yeah. me and talking the- about this for three years. Yeah. Well, the Juno gives you so much coverage too. It's like alarming. So that would be like a product saver. This excites me because I know so many people. So the big concealer at Mecca used to be the Bare Minerals. Oh, I know. Oh, I know. Then they, then they reformulated it and now it's Trash. trash. And so great timing. Kosas was just expanding their color range of the Revealer Concealer at that kind of time too, because mm-hmm. I used to love it, but it was all quite yellow and I couldn't really use it. So then boom, Revealer comes out. Everyone that used to buy Bare Minerals, which was the entire Australian population, <laughs> is now buying Revealer. And the reason people like both of those concealers is because I feel like a lot of Australians like concealer with no foundation. And then they're like, oh, I don't wear foundation. I just wear concealer all over my face. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the, so, okay, pat on the back, but you're still wearing makeup. Yeah. Yes. You've still got coverage. Like yeah. who gets a medal for not putting foundation on? Anyway. But <laughs> Now that there's a product that is going to be like the concealer that people are already wearing as a foundation, but they can buy the foundation. That's so exciting. Yeah, it really is. And that was part of the reason we made it was most people were using revealer like, oh, I want like a little dot here, a little dot here, a stripe here, a stripe here, a stripe here. So it was really people putting full coverage on with the concealer. And we were just like, there's got to be a better way to like treat the skin all over your face because revealer was the concealer was made you know, specifically, you know, with ingredients for an angry blemish, for your dry under eye who needs some brightening, you know, areas you might have some signs of aging happening. But Revealer Foundation's like, I'm here to treat 360 every square centimeter Mm -hmm. of your face. Yes. So, and 36 shades, which is 
huge. So you're getting a lot of shades, a lot of different undertones. I did a lot with shade matching with this to make sure we got every undertone. So I know that right. concealer, we added the shade range and it was yes. like spot on then. But yes. hey, if if the Australian consumer can make five shades of Bare Minerals concealer work, how they did it, I don't know. They can make 36 shades of Revealer Foundation work. Yes. And then now at least, as you say, everyone needs two shades of concealer. I believe so too because I'm so gray under my eye. Everyone now, I need to send everyone out to buy the pink tone mm. just to use around their eye and then they can buy their actual more golden tone for their face in their foundation. Yes. That's going in my kit. I can already tell I like it. It's already going in my kit. I'm so excited. <laughs> Can I ask, because we have, you've said that it's come out, but when do you have a sneaky idea of when it might be hitting the Australian retail stores? Yeah, you're like, Josh, you said it's come out. I'm on mecca.com.au. Yeah, it's where is there. it? Where is it? <laughs> um, so we're aiming to have it to Mecca in October, potentially September. I won't make promises, but okay, by yeah, October yeah. it'll be here. So, and that's just those SPF jumps. But hey, it's yeah, yeah. worth it when you get something that you're not having to to change your formula. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And before then you just have to ship it in from the US illegally, <laughs> smuggle it. So. I didn't hear this. I've got <laughs> we never suggested it. <laughs> but the good thing is though, at least if you do, if anyone manages to be overseas shortly yes. and you try it there, it's that rare occasion where when it comes to Australian shores, it will be the same product because how many times over the years yes. have you bought something in the US skincare, especially, and you try and buy it in Australia and you're like, this isn't, yeah, because it has some amazing ingredient that you can buy. That like, they've omitted. Yes, over the counter in America, but it's illegal here because it will kill you. Yeah, yeah. TGA is like, that is uh, not happening here. Thanks. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So what is your current non-beauty fave? Oh, oh my God. Um, I think, I, I feel like it's going to be a plant based on what's in the background. A plant could definitely be it. I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to do my very best to not buy any more plants until I'm back from visiting the U.S. in okay. the end of March. So I'm yeah. like, we have people house sitting and taking care of our pets while I'm out of town. So I'm like, let me not give them 70 plants and be like, you can't kill any of these. Good yeah. luck. So definitely, a baby. <laughs> definitely not a plant. Um, I would say drag race is such a huge ah. thing for me. Like I got into it during the pandemic and now I'm watching like, every international season all over and I've got friends that like after we DM about it and we chat and I'm like who do you think's gonna win it's just yep. it's it's a phenomenon now that I'm like sucked into and I'm like I get it I was very apprehensive as first but yeah a late adopter yeah but now I'm into it and full-on into it and we have to make down under season two better like that's um, all I've got to say because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure anybody who's listening who watched season one was a flop the queens are amazing but someone on that other side dropped the ball yeah. Please go send them all love because they deserve it. <laughs> Interesting. I'm one of the rare people that has like previously watched one, two, maybe three seasons like five years ago, but didn't get into it. And it's like people either don't watch Drag Race or they've seen every season. And so mm. I would like a recommendation on which seasons. This is like, this is what people ask me for Survivor. Which yeah. season should I watch? Well, I was going to say you, I know you're team Survivor like through and through and it's so funny because there's people I listen to podcast wise about Drag Race who talk about Survivor and Drag Race and how there's so many similarities. Like, I need to listen in, like, to those podcasts. And, and character archetypes. Like they're like, yes. oh, this person is just like this person from Survivor season blank. So yeah. I can get around that. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah, yeah. So when you start to think about it that way, it's like, we're not going to put the queens on the island because they need running water. <laughs> but God forbid. Um, yeah, have you got a favorite season? I will watch it. I have Ooh. annual leave right now. She's Ooh, on her honeymoon. Oh, oh my gosh. Yes. So there's some, I think that recently were really great. Um, one that if you're okay with subtitles or you 
speak fluent Spanish. España season one was amazing. Oh. Um, and it felt very like authentic to the franchise. So I'd okay. say that's okay. a really great one. Um, but if you're starting on the US, which is like the iconic yeah. institution part, um, mm-hmm. I'd say like a season nine is a classic. Season okay. nine, season six, season five. Anybody listening is like, oh yeah, check, check, check. Those are definitely it. But 13 is okay. going on right now and it feels really good. Still great. There's my annual leave done. Brenton's going to be like, enough of the drag queens. <laughs> You're like, there's literally thousands of them around the world. Yes. I will never be done. <laughs> That's great. And we'll have to find out what those um, Survivor drag queen uh, drag race podcasts yes. are. Yes, please. Um, and to finish us off, the most important question of the episode. Other than the Canberra one. Yes. <laughs> What is your snack of the moment? Oh, this is such an interesting question because I'm doing my best to not snack right now because I'm like, when I go back to the US, I want to look like I looked before I left for a pandemic. (laughs) Yeah. So I want to look like we were only two months into the pandemic and I hadn't gained any weight at all. Where now I'm like, that's going to be very hard in a month and a half. Um, Mm. But good old TV snacks. (laughs) I have settled into at night having like a cup of tea with like one TV snack or two. Mm-hmm. and yep. I'm trying to be really good about it but yeah the Krispy Kreme collab some of the flavors are are, are good some are not good yeah um, how did you feel about the vanilla and have you tried a TikTok biscuit to compare the two yes okay, yes great. um the vanilla is good um <laughs> I'm trying to think which flavor was bad I think there was like a cookies and cream one that one was yeah no. they're too hard some of the flavors yeah. are softer than the other ones. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I'm I'm a true American. Like, I dunk a cookie. I want the cookie yeah. in milk traditionally. Yeah. Not yeah. a bicky. It is a cookie. So. <laughs> but it's so weird because Americans call everything cookies. Like, they'll even call their, like, dog kibble, like, cookies or biscuit. Like, I'm no, like. That's a biscuit. Dog biscuit. Oh, okay. American okay. Cookie. That's a biscuit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's and that's probably confusing. why I'm very anti-bicky. Because I'm like, yeah. that's a dog biscuit. Yeah. And this yeah. is an, a human cookie. <laughs> Yeah, that's an important fair, absolutely distinction. Absolutely fair. Yeah. So you don't do the traditional um, TV snacks that are like the kind of weird geometric shapes? That's not for you? You know what? I've had them. They're fine. Mm-hmm. But I'm They're trying fine. to enjoy this Krispy Kreme collab while it's out because yes. it, it's going to go. It's going to go yes. at some point. And then, I mean, I love a Tim Tam. Who doesn't love a Tim Tam? There's a new flavor absolutely. out that I just heard about yesterday that I need to try like triple chalk or something. Oh. I'm just like, so long as it's not double coat because it's too much chocolate. Yeah. Interesting. I'm a double coat kind of gal, but you do lose two you you lose two in the in the tray. So it's it's like it's a do you? Yeah, I think there's only eleven as opposed to thirteen or something. They're too hard to slam too. You cannot slam a double coat very easy. (laughs) That's very true. I love that you're just like right around the Australian snacks. You've been here long enough, I feel. Prior to moving, I think I'd been here four or five times. So I'd come enough as a tourist, and now that I'm like two years in. I'm I'm committed. Like I catch myself saying things to my family on FaceTime, and they're like, "What? What did you say?" And I'm just like, "Oh God, this trip back is going to be fun." Yes. Now, what are you going to take back with you? Like, what Australian snacks will you take for your family, if any? Uh, Cadbury chocolate. Chocolate in the U.S. is garbage, unless you're getting like premium chocolate. But yes. the fact that we could walk into any Coles, Woolies, any and IGA, yeah, and just grab Cadbury, and I've even yeah. been to the Cadbury factory in Tassie. When I yeah. was down and like, yeah. that was crazy. Cause it was like total, I don't know if you've seen the show supermarket sweep where the yes. people are like running and just grabbing all the groceries. <laughs> That's what I felt like at the Cadbury factory. How um, funny. Fun fact, my, where my partner went to school and I did some classes there because it was like the girl boy version was next to the Cadbury factory in Melbourne and it used to smell, oh. it's just up the road from us and it used to smell like 
glorious, glorious chocolate, but I've never been to the Tasmanian one. My dad used to work for Cadbury too, so I actually need to do that yeah, trip. Tassie trip. But I don't yeah. know if they're doing – they used to do – when I went, it was the first time I went was 2014. They were doing tours still. Yeah. And I yeah. don't think – oh, I think because of COVID not. they stopped. In this world, and yeah. I did the tour and then they were like, and here's the dodgy chocolate section. Help yourself. Here's the the rejects that Coles wouldn't buy, but you will. Yes. 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 (laughs) The best. Okay. So you'll take Cadbury. Any other important snacks? Um, Cadbury, Tim Tams. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a a sister-in-law who loves Quality Street, which I'm like, are you really? All all the food you want, Quality Street? And such a seat. I'm like, isn't that English? Yeah, and it's very seasonal. Like, thank God you're going around-ish Christmas time because I don't feel like they're always available. Yeah. What about a mint slice? Does any family love um, a mint no, slice? No, no, no. No, no, no one likes mint slice. Okay. No. Sorry, and there's certain Cadbury chocolates. Like, I will not get a favorites because no. it's going to come no. with so many things that are very un-American. Like, cherry ripe is not a flavor that Americans are approving. Oh, okay. I, I am not a cherry ripe person. It is yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. What about Marvelous Creations? Would that be, like, that well down? tolerated or not? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. No one can hate Marvelous Creations. They can. Yeah. Some people The hate kind with, like, candy. the Pop Rocks. Yes. I have a yeah, friend yeah, that's cool. obsessed. I have to always bring her, like, three big bars yes. when we go back. Yes. Thank goodness they've got the family size chunks. Yes. Now. And they're so good because the, the actual pieces are so big. You can be like, I'll just have two pieces, but it's the size of your head because the squares but are But I so only large. had two. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you with your TV time. snacks before bed. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, my God. This is such a fun F. I it's feel the first great. time we've spoken to a real, like, beauty guru, I suppose. Yes, like um, a brand adjacent, like, yeah. Ooh, first international guest, even though you're Australian, but, you know. I mean, we, oh, yeah. we did do this via platform. You can pretend I'm anywhere that you want. If it Absolutely. Makes you feel better. Yeah. Absolutely. We will. Yes. And I guess to wrap things up, Josh, this is your moment to plug yourself, talk about you and sell yourself to our listeners um, in any way that you want to, or use this as a platform to just say anything that you want. So, Oh my goodness. Um, well, I'm on Instagram. That's probably the only place I'm active. And yeah. by active, I mean Instagram stories. Don't go on there expecting a new feed post every day, every week, yeah. sometimes every mm-hmm. month. It all depends. <laughs> Josh Collier, MUA, makeup artist. I get people who are like, why do you have the kissy noise at the Mwah. end of your yeah. And I'm just like, it's makeup artist. Josh <laughs> yeah yeah like that's definitely not it um yeah and I'd say that's the best place DM me I love to chat with people in Australia and just see what's going on because your feedback goes to me and then it goes right back to Kosas HQ so yes. it is important mm, I'm driving what's happening what you see on your countertop units and on those gondolas at Mecca so let me know Amazing. And also, can you please plug your um your dog's Insta too? Because if you're into pugs, they're very cute. Yes, I have two very cute pugs. Jeffrey, who's fawn, he's six. And then Charlie, mm. who is one, and he's a black pug. He actually has a tiny bit of Frenchie in him, but we don't mention that. Oh, we don't. No, <laughs> no, no. a tiny bit of the devil we cannot yeah. acknowledge. Right, it, it really spikes through him too. Um, so they're the Pugzillas. So like Godzilla, but Pugzilla. Yeah, we'll pop this in the show notes so that people can click right through. (laughs) Amazing. We'll have the best trip. When when do you leave to go overseas? Uh, March 1st. I'll be gone for pretty much all of March and I'm thrilled. So exciting. Amazing. We'll have the best time. And thank um, you for joining us yeah. and for giving us the hot scoop on the new Crisis Revealer Foundation as well. Which now we now we'll have to wait. wait six months. Yes. yes. No yeah, great. Great, great, great. Blue balls. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you. Thanks so much, Josh. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? 
Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.